Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light on our path. Today's topic, the prophetic call of Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet was called by God to deliver his message to Judah. And he's actually called twice to this prophetic role. We find it recorded in Isaiah chapter 6 and again in Isaiah chapter 40. In fact, the prophecy of Isaiah can be easily divided into two sections. Section 1 is chapters 1 through 39, which focuses on Isaiah's call to repent, given not only to Israel, Judah, but also to the nations all around. And the second part, beginning with Isaiah 40, focuses more on God's promise of redemption uh, through the Messiah, in which the people of God can find comfort. We might call it a proclamation of the gospel. Isaiah himself is a prophet of the gospel. It's very interesting that in the New Testament and in the ministry of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the prophet Isaiah that is quoted the most. In today's podcast, I want us to simply look at Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah's first prophetic call. Let me read the text. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, these are small, capital L-O-R-D, which means the king or the sovereign Lord, sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. This is a royal robe. So it goes way back behind the person. And just this train, just this tail end of the robe, has glory in it. And it fills the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. These are some kind of angelic beings, creatures, Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, the fact that one cover calls out to another means that this is a a call back and forth between them. So between them, they're saying, Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook as the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. We hear now the presence of God in all of his majestic holiness. And now Isaiah is caught up in this magnificent vision. He sees the glories of God in the heavenly realms with the angels worshiping him and describing to him holiness. And his only response can be, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, For mine eyes have seen the King, Yahweh of hosts. Now see, Isaiah was possibly disturbed at the death 
of the good king, Uzziah. But he needs to remember that God is the great sovereign, and he is the one who is over all the heavenly kings, the earthly kings, any principalities and powers or rulers anywhere in the universe, for he alone is a true and the magnificent and the all-glorious God, the creator of all that is. Isaiah needed to know who was the true king. Kings of earth and political powers come and go, as do religious powers, but God remains the sovereign on the throne. He's the holy God. Now Isaiah is struck with his own sinfulness, his own guilt, his own impurity in the presence of this magnificent holiness of God. Woe is me! I'm undone. How can the one who is sinful dwell in the midst of the Holy One? God is the answer. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. So what Isaiah sees is that one of the seraphim flew to the tabernacle, to the temple, where the burnt sacrifices were made every morning and evening, where sin offerings were also made, and guilt offerings where all the offerings ordained under the Mosaic covenant were made to take care of the sins of the people of God. He goes to this altar. He takes one of the coals and brings it and touches Isaiah's unclean lips. And he says, this has taken your guilt away. Your sin is atoned for. Now Isaiah, in such a cleansed and accepted state, he hears the voice of the Lord, of the sovereign king, saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people. This is his commission. This is Isaiah's commission to be a prophet to the nation. And in fact, a prophet to the nations around. And his primary message will be that of judgment. And he must do this to an obstinate, an unbelieving people. Now, before we go there, let's think about the fact that Isaiah is able to hear the call of God because God has prepared him. He has let him see his glory. He has let him see his sin and let him see God's own provision for taking away his sin so that now, As one who's been cleansed by God, he can be commissioned to go. But Isaiah hears the call of God, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Now, I think it's very important for the doctrine of God that we understand that God uses a singular I and he uses us, the plural. And this is because we know that God, in the fullness of his revelation in the Old and New Testaments, proclaims himself to be one eternal being who has within the fullness of his divine life and divine love three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the triune Yahweh who asks, whom shall I send? 
and who will go for us? Isaiah, freely, from his own now renewed will, answers the call. Here am I, send me. And so God sends him, go. But God not only sends, he gives the message that he wants his messenger to deliver. The prophet did not speak out of his own words. He spoke only the words that the Lord God himself gave him. And so this is what God instructs Isaiah to say. And he will say it many times in the chapters that follow. Listen to the commission. Go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Whoa, what a commission. We hear that and we say, oh, it looks like a mission is doomed for failure. He's sending to an obstinate people who refuse to hear, who can't really understand, who have no spiritual perception. It's interesting that this same statement and commission is quoted by our Lord Jesus himself in the days of his ministry here on earth. So he's called to preach. He's called to prophesy. And his prophecies are going to take the form of warning, a call to repent, and the declaration of judgment that is coming because men do not repent and turn to God and because they look to other saviors, other means of escape, rather than looking to the sovereign king, the Lord himself. So Isaiah naturally cries out, How long, O Lord? This is a hard commission. But this is what sometimes God's spokesmen must do. They must give the message that God gives them. They cannot change it. They cannot alter it. So he said, How long? Oh, Lord, oh, any preacher with such a commission longs for the day when such will pass away, when he is done giving of the message and the people have turned and have listened. But here, they're not turning. They're not listening. Oh, how long must I do this, oh, Lord? And this is what God said. Until the cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. And Yahweh removes people far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again. Like a tenebeth or an oak whose stump remains when it is failed, the holy seed is its stump. Thus endeth the commission. Notice what God said. You will preach this message until the judgment comes. He's speaking specifically of the Babylonian captivity of Jerusalem, the Babylonian destruction of Jerusalem, the captivity of the people, and they're being taken away in great mass in exile to Babylon, which is in the lower part of modern-day Iraq. The result, this judgment is the result of the violation of the covenant that Israel had entered into at Mount Sinai with Almighty God when he brought them forth from captivity in Egypt. But here, in the midst of judgment, there is the memory of mercy, for God will never go back on his promise. He will fulfill the covenant 
that he himself establishes with his people. So in the midst of judgment, there's mercy. In the midst of wrath, there is mercy. How is this possible? Well, God can keep his promises because he maintains a remnant of the people. This line of faith can be traced all the way back to the Garden of Eden after the fall. When God gave the first promise of a redeemer in the promised seed of the woman that would crush the head of the serpent, it is repeated to Abraham in the promise of a seed to him in whom all the nations of the earth will be blessed. But between Eve and Abraham, there's Noah, who is the one who brings over humanity from the judgment of the world with it being destroyed in the flood and the new earth that God lets be repopulated after the flood. But it is still an earth that's polluted with sin and still has sinful humans in it, demonstrated by Noah's own transgression after the flood. God's given promises to Abraham and the promise of a seed that will bring salvation, redemption to the nations will come through his seed. That seed we know is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God also gave the promise to a seed of Abraham, namely David, who is God's chosen king over his kingdom. So from the seed of Abraham and the seed of David comes the Lord's Messiah, Christ himself. Now, he is talked about in these first chapters of Isaiah. And so, if you've gone to hear the Messiah at Christmas time or at Easter time, you hear the gospel of Isaiah, the gospel in Isaiah proclaimed in great music. And the passages that are often put to music are these passages that declare that the Messiah is coming who will bring about the salvation to God's people. And Isaiah, in his first part of his prophecy, talks about Israel, that is the people of both Judah and Israel, being God's vineyard that he planted after he brought them out of Egyptian bondage. But they failed to produce fruit, and so they fall underneath the judgment of God. And we find that judgment given to us in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 5. Now I tell you what I'm about to do to my vineyard. I'll remove its hedge. It will be consumed. I will tear down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland. But God will not leave it in that way because one day he will bring a remnant back. And from that remnant, from the stump of Jesse, will come the Lord's Messiah, Jesus Christ himself. And that's mentioned in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 13. And then we're told about that person in Isaiah chapter 7 with the Emmanuel prophecy that he would come through the seed of the virgin. Here is a prophecy that is fulfilled in the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ by means of Mary. And then we're told about the nature of this person in his ministry in Isaiah chapter 9, which is quoted for us in the New Testament. And here we have these great words, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulder. He'll be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. And then we're also told about the Messiah 
uh, in chapter 10 and 11. In chapter 10, we have the prophecy of the return of the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob. The remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God, Israel. Even if your people are numerous as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will return. And then in chapter 11 of Isaiah, we have this prophecy. A shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from the house will bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Yahweh, will rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel, strength and knowledge, and the fear of the reverence of Yahweh. His delight will be in Yahweh. And here we have the prophecy of Jesus fulfilling the promised seed of the Davidic king. And this section then ends uh, in Isaiah chapter 11. On that day, the Lord will extend his hand a second time to recover the remnant of his people who survive. And he mentions all the nations around. And then he can't hold back. He breaks forth in the joyous song of praise in Isaiah chapter 12, a great song of praise to be given to God, where he says, on that day, you will say, I'll give thanks to Yahweh. God is my salvation. Your anger is turned away and you comforted me. Indeed, God is my salvation. I will trust him and not be afraid. For Yahweh, Yahweh himself, is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. Oh, hear the words of Isaiah the prophet. Cry out and sing, citizen of Zion. For the Holy One of Israel among you, in his greatness, in his holiness, in his majesty. Behold the Lord God, the Savior of his people, in the words of Isaiah, as a result of his first call to be a prophet of the Most High God. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights.